Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Objective. Uh, my co-host today is MIA slash uh, the failure to communicate with him by our Lord Emperor or something happened. I know I'm not entirely certain, but, you know, it's uh, it's been a long time coming for me to do a solo show. Obviously, Lord Emperor Razi behind the scenes makes an excellent co-host, but, uh, you know, he's just not in the mood, I guess. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's a busy guy, not particularly busy with anything, but I just, he's a busy guy. Anyway, I want to talk to you today about what's been going on on with the within the Republican factions, or I should say, the MAGA people have become anti-Republican in their rhetoric. They are uh, protesting en masse. They are gathering in Washington and probably elsewhere. I'm talking about this outrage about the uh, failure by the Republican Party to keep Trump in office and by the Supreme Court's failure to confirm the voter fraud allegation. So the Supreme Court, it sounds like, took a look at some of the evidence and said, there's nothing here. Or some other judges looked at it and said, there's nothing here. And, uh, you know, so who's going crazy right now? People who you would probably consider the new right. A lot of uh, enthusiastic Trump supporters, people who from day one were enthusiastic about Trump, um, not for the reasons that uh, some people might have reluctantly voted for Trump, not for the reason that some people voted for Trump as sort of the lesser of two evils, but more like people that are that always said, yeah, Trump is what I like in a president. Trump is what I want to see the Republican Party turn into. And I'm talking about people like Milo Yiannopoulos. He's uh Losing his mind on the hot new social media platform, Parler. He is shouting in text form about how he threw his, his own career away to get Trump in office. And this is how Trump repays him, by nominating some judges that can't even uphold the voter fraud allegation. So Milo feels betrayed, as you would expect. A lot of right-wingers and people who sort of emerged around 2015, 2016, enthusiastic Trump supporters are very upset right now. Uh, I'm looking at a, an article by Rolling Stone called MAGA protesters chant, destroy the GOP at pro-Trump rally. And uh, we, we see uh, Nick Fuentes. He's a, uh, he's sort of the outlaw of the right. He's um, what he's, I think uh, the way you would, you might describe him, he's definitely alt-right. Like he's definitely um, the sort of version of the right wing that is not, you know, neoconservative and not, um, not the Ben Shapiro sort of constitutionalist. This is very important. What he represents is a sort of uh, return to the good old days, the way that I think he sees it and, and his supporters. But it's kind of a romanticization in their mind, I think, of the good old days. They think life was better before the modern era. They think that the pursuit of happiness has brought about sadness. So women pursuing happiness has brought us pill-popping depressed women. And they think that the sort of uh, pursuit of happiness has caused the nuclear family to break apart. So basically what they do is they look at the, pro the I think oftentimes legitimately considered problems in the modern world, such as maybe the um, uh, opioid, opioid epidemic or um, the sort of disintegration of the family and they attribute it, enti it entirely to individualism and its political corollary, the Constitution and the protection of individual rights. So the way that a lot of these new right people see it, 
rights are basically a social advent. They see it. They, they agree with the, with the left in this way. They agree with the pragmatists. They see it as um, very much on the table for negotiation rights. That is, they see um, the community and the family and order as the primary. They, they see, they see the purpose of government as here to the purpose of government is to restore and maintain order. Um, so there, there's no such a thing in their mind as, well, I have rights that are protected and the constitution reflects that. No, that to them is, is, is a non, non-argument. And they would like to see the Republican party turn into that. And they see Trump at least as a, a big step in that direction. So maybe Trump is not as um, sort of populist and, anti-constitutionalist as they would like, but they certainly see Trump, rightfully, they see him as a breakaway from the constitutionalist version of the Republican Party. And so I think they're correct to see Trump as an ally, but they're very upset by the, um, they're very upset to see that Trump is probably going to be leaving office. And and although Trump has been tweeting like uh, like there's no tomorrow about how he was screwed and how this election was stolen from himself. Nonetheless, they think that Trump is sort of um, not doing enough. I, I think uh, fair to say the people protesting, saying destroy the GOP, they, what they mean to say is Trump should not leave office. And they would ha- be happy to see Trump, you know, impose martial law. And you're seeing people speak in those terms, saying Trump should have the military and police or whoever uh, keep him in office and perhaps hold another election where this time the vote counting is supervised in another way or something. They want Trump staying in office at all costs. So um, my friends, this is, this is seriously concerning. Even if there is voter fraud on such a wide scale that uh, the election was stolen, which I have some serious doubts about because I just haven't seen the evidence that voter fraud is that substantial. But even if that is the case, what does it actually spell out for our democracy to have a president refuse to leave office? What does it mean for democracy and civil order to have a vocal faction of a major party sort of breaking away from it? And it's going beyond uh, the, the GLP uh, breaking off into different factions. It's um, people are talking about secession. And, you know, this has happened in the past. I think when Obama won his second term, you were seeing some people on the right talk about secession. OK, I mean, it was messed up and concerning back then as well. But, folks, it's got it's gotten worse and it's getting worse. Uh, they're talking about um they're talking about secession and the internet has accelerated this. It's brought about the most radical factions of each ideology. So this sort of anti-ideological ideology that we see on the right, this America first, as Fuentes calls his organization, and as well as other versions of the new right, they see Fox News as entirely way too traditional in, in, in that respect. They're way too sort of um, establishment GOP. So they are turning to things like Newsmax, which is, I think, a new competitor to Fox. I think it's on the internet. Um, they're trying to break away from the establishment now. And it's, um, 
It certainly calls for concern. So my first question is, and it's a rhetorical question, but my question is for the never Trumpers, people like Ben Shapiro, who resisted Trump, maybe Glenn Beck is, is similar to this. They resisted Trump. I think they voted against Trump. In fact, um, they were never Trumpers and never meant, apparently it meant not for a while. No, so not Trump for a while. Never was maybe a, a strong word as it turned out because uh, Ben Shapiro not only ended up endorsing Trump uh, from what I've seen, but kind of doing, excuse me, kind of doing his part to sort of encourage the allegations of voter fraud on a ma- and on a ma- being a mass problem, that voter fraud is taking place on a mass scale. I've seen Sh- Shapiro do that a little bit. This is not healthy, folks. Um, so my question is to the never Trumpers, who then basically became, okay, Trump is better than the alternative-ers. I would ask them, like, take a look, open your eyes. Do you recognize what you're a part of? Do you recognize this? If you, if you could show this, these destroy the GOP um, chants taking place with uh, Holocaust deniers like Nick Fuentes and the America First organization, the explicitly anti-constitutionalist, explicitly anti-individualist factions of the right are on a stage and they are loud. Um, By the way, we've got Jonathan Honig joining us in just a moment here. Very excited, very relieved. But my question is to the Never Trumpers. Um, or yes, the never Trumpers who became, okay, maybe Trump isn't so bad at hers, such as Ben Shapiro, etc. Do you recognize this move, this political, um, wing that you're part of the right or the Republican party? And of course the people chanting, destroy the GOP, they're still Republicans, right? They're not going to vote against the Republican party. Uh, they, they just now voted Republican in the recent election. Do you recognize what you're a part of? And maybe this question, um, maybe this question applies to some of the audience members of this show or of the objectivist scene, etc. In general, do you recognize this? You, how badly do you need to beat Joe Biden and the left? How badly are you, do you see the the current Democrat Party as such a serious threat that you're willing to align yourselves with Holocaust deniers, with explicitly? explicitly, explicitly anti-constitutionalist, anti-individualist. Um, Rosie, don't don't message us in the chat room unless it's important. It's bad enough you left me here alone to host the show. Oh, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I apologize. I meant, I, I'm a little, no, that's, I was yelling at Rosie, not at yourself. I'm about to I introduce am. you, but I, I mean, I'm, this is just the normal length of my opening monologue. So good, good. I've been enjoying it. Um, so sorry. Yeah, so, um, the explicitly anti-individualist um, factions of the right, the new right, people like Nick Fuentes, who is, he's got a megaphone and he's chanting, destroy the GOP. We've got Alex Jones, a person who I've never been comfortable with. He, 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 my first knowledge of him was that he was a 9-11 conspiracy theorist. To me, anyone who associates with Alex Jones was always, was always just kind of unserious in my opinion. And it's bizarre to me that he ended up kind of having his own president in office. Donald Trump, I think, is sort of the Alex Jones president. I don't think I'm exaggerating. So it always was sort of uh, semi-confusing and disheartening to see, you know, conservatives 
um, interview on the Alex Jones show because, you know, they could use the exposure to sell their book. I was always sort of very surprised and uncomfortable to see people on the right associating with Alex Jones on any level. But now, you know, I would say to Republicans, quote, we're all Alex Jones now. We not meaning myself, but you're all Alex Jones now. And he's chanting 1776. So it's bad enough that this new right is explicitly anti-constitutionalist. But now Alex Jones and his friends are chanting 1776. So they're trying to um, appropriate the spirit of the American Revolution. This, yo, don't tread on me, BS. Because it is BS without the uh, philosophical component, the Declaration of Independence. We, you know, that the pursuit of happiness, that all, uh, however, you know how it goes. Uh, We're all endowed by our creator, but specifically the point being uh, with inalienable rights. That's the part that I'm trying to emphasize. Inalienable rights, not the creator language, but more inalienable rights. So to have Alex Jones and his friends chanting 1776, my friends, we are losing any hope that the right will will counter the left with anything positive. So when you look at the Democrats, they, they went to great lengths to push the radicals out of their ranks uh, in the recent election, as far as I can see. They went to great lengths to give the most moderate candidate they can find the nomination and then presidency. Um, Are you so afraid of Joe Biden that you're willing to become the alt-right? For what? For what? So that Trump might um, insist on staying in the White House and, and somehow pull it off? And then what? Now Trump sees himself as a total despot moving forward. And all presidents after him see if there, I mean, if there is a president after him, see themselves as complete and total emergency presidents who can do whatever they want. Guys, I realize the system has been broken for a while, but this is not the way to fix it. So my question is, do you recognize what you're a part of? Would you believe your eyes just a few years ago to see what you're still uh, remaining a part of? Anyway, we are now 16 minutes into the episode and my opening monologue is done. And just in time, you know, from now on, we'll just bring him on when the opening monologue is done so he can spend his time uh, getting work done and doing whatever the hell he wants. He's here. I don't know if, he, if you just got your, uh, your um, teeth whitened. They look shiny and beautiful. Maybe you're just having a, a good lighting day. But please welcome uh, a man who... Um, I am frankly out of fuel, so I'm not. I'm going to skip the fancy introduction. Please welcome Jonathan Honig. Thanks, Rucka. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. And I was inspired by some of your comments and a lot, a lot of passion there and a lot of insights. And you know, this 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 uh, uh, kind of phenomenon, as you said, where these Trumpers wanting to burn down the GOP, they want to destroy the GOP. And I have to say, on this, I agree with them. You know, I too want to burn down and destroy the GOP. And I certainly wouldn't speak for Ms. Rand, but so did she, in my opinion, or at least so did she identify its, its failings and its shortcomings. I mean, Ayn Rand wrote a, a, a seminal essay called Conservatism and Obituary back in the 1960s. It's available online. And she talked about the trend in the conservative party moving from Barry Goldwater in the early 60s, whom she supported, Harry Binswanger, a lot of other kind of well-known objectivists were actually part of that campaign, all the way down through Reagan, who she voted against, particularly because of his support of his anti-abortion support and his support of bringing the religious right. In my point, opinion, uh, 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 Rucka, that, that of course spoiled the Tea Party. That was kind of part of those early Tea Party movements. It quickly became religious, just like Reagan. 
And the same thing now, in my opinion, is infected, if you will, a lot of the, the Trump supporters, many of which have good hearts, kind of patriotic hearts, but they're suffering from, and we've talked about this uh, many times, a, a primacy of consciousness, right? As against primacy of existence. They believe the reality in their head. Like they're gonna keep telling themselves, Trump won, it was the biggest uh, um, uh, inauguration crowd ever. And to your point, I'd rather debate Joe Biden. I'd rather really, really even debate Bernie Sanders, someone who believes in what Rand talked about as being the primacy of existence, because, you know, we can beat Joe Biden on any argument as objectivists, on the economy, on individual rights. And we can beat him because primacy of existence means you're like, you're functioning in this world. Primacy of consciousness. I mean, you're making it up in your own head as you go along. There's no arguing with that. There's no reasoning with that. So, you know, I'll take up a leftist, if you will, who's at least living in the real world. So we can discuss some of these ideas against the primacy of consciousness person. And frankly, a lot of them tend to be religious, in my opinion. I guess it's not so surprising if you believe in a kind of a man up in the heavens who's deciding everything, probably don't believe in anything. Uh, but I'll take a primacy of existence leftist much more than a primacy of consciousness anyone. And I think that's exactly what you're seeing with today's Trumpers. Absolutely. And by the way, speaking of the Tea Party, I mean, someone left me left us a comment, I think, on a recent episode uh, saying he left he left the Tea Party back in the day because it had this sort of paleo conservative element. And it was it was sort of a big tent open to all types of freaks. So I think maybe even <laughs> people tend to romanticize the Tea Party like it was this individualist um, response to Obama's, uh, you know, leftist agenda. It was a big tent. And that's kind of how it, it, it was, you know, they, they dis- would have described themselves when, when anyone spoke on behalf of the Tea Party. It was like a big tent of non-leftists. And I think we're, we, we kind of see uh, with the, the irrational elements definitely win out when you associate yourself with them. So maybe a, objectivists, a lot of objectivists, you know, they're not as um, culturally attentive as people like you and me, Jonathan. You're, you're an MTV star, you know, you're, you're a, you're a cool, oh, 20 uh, years ago. You're, you're a cool hedge fund guy who used to have the frosty tip uh, NSYNC haircut. Like you're a cool dude. You get it. I get it. I'm a cool, you know, I'm a rapper. I, you know, we get what the kids are saying, but like a lot of objectivists, they tend to sort of have a very kind of geriatric understand. I'm, I'm obviously generalizing and it's in a playful way. They, they have a very sort of like, I hate to say it, baby boomer understanding oftentimes of what's happening. So like they talk about all oh, the intellectual dark web. I'm hearing objectivists in current year using that term, the intellectual dark web, bro, that, that, that name was, was, was an embarrassing thing to say in 2018, probably, but like it's, it was a short lived kind of good way to describe what was taking place. So I think similarly, if I had to imagine probably a lot of objectivists, um, misidentified what the Tea Party was to the from what I've seen, or they didn't quite see how uh, how how uh, present the the creepy parts of the Tea Party were. So anyway, I'm, I'm, we're not here to bash objectivists today. Believe me, that's that's going to be a week long series. We're, we're, we'll have a blast. We'll have a different objectivist on every week to yell at them. Of course, I'm joking. Um, but we are here to talk about the what the right has turned into. So I think even to so I've I, as much as anyone, I have been drawing the contrast between this and the Tea Party. So I kind of want to give a bit of an updated view and say, like, maybe the Tea I mean, the Tea Party itself was probably a lot more deluded and corrupt back then in terms of who they would associate with. 
And that's kind of always been the issue. The, the, the right has long been a sort of marriage between the constitutionalists and the sort of blood and soil um, sort of, you know, like a very like populist anti anti intellectual elements. Well, of the right. Yeah, but 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 you, I wish you could say that they were individualists. I mean, I think that's there's been a lot a lot of talk in this whole discussion, Rock, in this whole election about, well, you know, it's socialism. You can't vote for the left. That's socialism. Like, versus what? And I guess the in, it was always implied. Well, if you're against Democrats, you're for the Republicans, and they're for capitalism, right? They're for individualism. Look, we've litigated the election; it's over. But we've demonstrated time and time again. The Republicans, at least today's Republicans, are not for individualism. They do not support individual rights. So for me, as an objectivist, I mean, I've long, I mean, I never identified with any political party. And we always stress the importance of ideas. So for, for our, our listeners and our viewers and our Super Chat uh, supporters, I guess that's my call to action is stop this tribal obsession with having to be a part of one particular party. They're both anathema, in my opinion, to to individual rights and, and what I consider to be objectivist values. Do everything you can to talk about those ideas, to talk about those principles. That's what's gonna move the world, not this blind devotion to political parties. That's, you know, it's, it's uh, and to your point, uh, Rucka, as well, I mean, I remember the Tea Party starting around a couple basic ideas. Basically, why should we have to bail out uh, uh, homeowners, mortgage owners. And that was a pretty basic idea of government, get out of my life, get out of my, out of my pocketbook. Now, Michelle Bachman and the rest of the religious right quickly kind of moved in and co-opted it. But stick to principles, stick to ideas, stick to objectivism, as Ayn Rand wrote it, not to some blind devotion to any political party. I agree. Um, listen, we can go on about this all day. I, I already did a, a full 75 minute speech about this at the start of the show. So I think maybe now 25 minutes in, we might wrap up this 20 minute show. Um, listen, guys, I would just ask, do you, would you recognize yourself if you looked at what you're a part of? If you looked at this a couple years ago, if I showed you what the Republican Party would be, so in so yes, I agree with Jonathan. Yes, smash the GOP, but repl- but the, what is the alternative? Of course, is the question. We need to We're- infiltrate it. We need to infiltrate it with the right ideas. And I, I think Rand or at least Harry Binswanger and others talked about this exact idea. The leftists are you know lost cause. They are collectivists through and through. But there's some God willing, some spirit of individuals individualism left within the so-called right. Let's weasel our way in there and make it count. Yeah, by by promoting a better philosophy in the culture, of course. I mean, you go you go to actual political functions. There's no infiltrating it. You need to be it's like you need to be a two dimensional, lifeless hack. You need to be an Ellsworth Tuhi or Keating to even get involved. I mean, of course, I'm being dramatic and sort of being artistic in my description. But, you know, sometimes art imitates life. Um, (laughs) But I'm not talking about necessarily going into politics unless that's unless that's what you think it would be the right career for you for, for one reason or another. What I am talking about is changing the culture with philosophy and yeah. primarily emphasizing the positive. This is very yes, important. Yes, when you're yes. motivated by a negative. When you're motivated by beating, beating the left, take a good look at Nick Fuentes. Take a good look at Alex Jones. That is where you're heading. It, you, the, the negative is never, look, it's just like uh, getting away from, a substance abuse problem, an eating disorder, um, a, 
a terrible marriage, an abusive relationship, whatever it is you're trying to get away from, you need to be motivated, uh, moving away from a dictatorship, getting away from the negative is not enough. You need to be motivated by the vision of what's in front of you. And uh, that's what I would recommend people uh, think about. And that's what we need to offer people. So show them what the positive is and what they should move towards. With that being said, thank you for joining us. And let me announce uh, real quick for members only. So Ayn Rand Central UK has a membership you can join and uh, you can become a member. And there's uh, a few, there's weekly discussions on Rand's fiction, weekly discussion group that is for members only, which uh, I I would, uh, and weekly discussion groups on Peacock's courses, Leonard Peacock's courses run by Nikos and featuring James Valiant. You saw him here uh, on Friday on the show. He's, uh, he sounds like a wonderful person to study with. So uh, weekly discussion groups on Peacock's courses and weekly discussion groups on Rand's fiction and, and other perks as well, including uh, this weekend, I, I believe this Saturday, the uh, Christmas party, a, a, a virtual Christmas party. I'm going to be there. Oh, I'm disappointed. I won't be. It's, uh, it's 8 p.m. UK time, which I think uh, is on the early side of the day here in the, <laughs> in the new world. But anyway, 8 p.m. UK time this Saturday. It's the Christmas party, 3 Eastern, Rosie says. And um, that's noon American time. I'm sorry, California time. Uh, looking forward to that. So by the way, oh, you think, oh, it would be cool. I want to go to a Christmas party. I want to have some pizza. Obviously, you're going to have to order it yourself because it's not a, it's a virtual party only, unless you mean like digital pizza, which we can probably negotiate. Anyway, you want to attend this party. You're thinking, man, that would be cool. I want to hang out with those guys for a couple hours or longer. I want to, you know, I want to go. I want to be at a virtual party with some of my favorite uh, Internet people right now on the scene. Well, become an uh, Ayn Rand Center UK member. You know, it's about what else you spend your money on. Come on. Who who cares? Just buy it. Just pay for it. And it's for a good cause. That's the best part. With that being said, thank you for joining us on the world famous uh, 20. So only 26 and a half minute version of the 20 minute show. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of myself for stepping to the occasion and taking my usual opening monologue to great new heights. Good to have you here, Jonathan. You were late, but with those teeth, I could never stay upset at you. And uh, thank you, Rosie Lord Emperor behind the scenes for sharing some information. And uh, thank you uh, people in the chat room for keeping the conversation going so that if I ever were to run out of stuff to talk about, um, I would get to turn to the chat room. Like right now, we've got the analytic synthetic dichotomy explaining to me, the United States is not a democracy, but a constitutional republic, Rucka. So he's literally addressing me as though anything I said contradicts that fact, maybe because I use the word democracy, like what would it mean for our democracy? So I think what I meant was, what would it mean for the democratic process as opposed to turning into a system where despotic rule is you know on the rise so thank you analytics and synthetic dichotomy for your input i'm sure you could imagine that if this were taking place on a different channel namely a place where i'm not always nice to the audience members how i might have responded to you but we're here and we are uh we've got open arms and we welcome your feedback until next time well until tomorrow this has been the daily objective goodbye <laughs>